BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Guys, customer service is essential to your business success. And for faster, smarter customer experience, you can turbocharge your CX results with CX1, the world's most complete customer experience platform from NICE. It's never been easier for organizations of all sizes around the globe to create extraordinary customer experiences. With the scalability and flexibility of the cloud, you can power up your business goals like never before. So don't get left behind. Find out more today at nice.com. That's nice.com. Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, These are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Yeah. So without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Miles, we are thrilled yeah. to be joined by a brilliant, talented writer, podcaster, yeah. who's yeah. written for local publications like the New York Times, the <laughs> New Yorker, the New York Review of Books, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. GQ. Mm-hmm. She was the co-host of the legendary podcasts Girls in Hoodies, Night Call, yeah. the writer, creator, and host of the legendary podcast Heidi World, the Heidi Play Legend. Story. Please Legend. welcome back to the show, the legend, mate, <laughs> it's Molly Lambert! Molly! Oh shit! I we know I'm talked. a Lambert, but Malay, Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we just talked anyway, about the new Drake song for like, how how minutes. sad and alone that man is. He just needs someone to be patient with. He him. He needs someone to be patient with him. He's got his thick thighs to keep him warm. Yeah, he needs someone to give him therapy. Also, my AK was a reference to a embroidered jacket Molly just told me about. He's wearing an embroidered jacket that says "Hard Feelings, Harder Dick." Yep. I think it's album promo. Nothing going on there. I think this has to be like a mixtape title or something because he's done it a couple of times. He just wore another one that had little cute puppies on it, kept cuddling yeah. each other, and it said "Hard Feelings, Harder Dick." <laughs> again sir sir you're 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 losing the plot my man <laughs> hard feelings hard dick 
soft puppies. Soft, soft puppies. puppies. Also, my man, you're 36 years old. Yeah. Okay. We need to be doing that. But anyway, hey, to each their own. No hard feelings. Yes, hard feelings. I am mad right now. Yeah. This is kind of and his whole energy. <laughs> and okay. I'm so horny. <laughs> I'm, I'm mad and I have a boner is like what I imagine it's like to be a man. Yeah, yeah. no, he's, That's he's basically he's sums it up. the male experience it's like, right there. I'm mad and I have a boner because my favorite basketball team lost. Yeah. Or it's like, or it's just like the two modes I'm in are angry or boner. So it depends <laughs> on what, when you catch right. me, that's what you're going to get. Hard feelings, harder dick. Those are the two. Yeah. yeah. The two yeah. wolves inside you. But he's, <laughs> he's suggesting that he has them both at the same time. He's a cheat. Well, that's why he's Drake. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he's reached a Christ level consciousness. Cause he's like, yeah. I'm a sad little bitch with a titanium boner. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I think it would be interesting, big feelings, bigger dick, because big feelings is like what, what you say to children, and there's like something, I feel like there was a part of the writing process for the album cover, uh, bag embroidery, hard feelings, harder dick, where he wrote big feelings, bigger dick, and someone was like, yeah, but you only talk to like five-year-olds about it having big feelings and he's yeah, like, and like uh, with a lot of the yeah, rumors yeah. about you only only five-year-olds <laughs> he does have yeah. a son well he yeah. also wore he wore a viagra racing jacket after yeah. that which i thought was really funny i was like wow this is a hilarious album rollout whatever it is because <laughs> yeah. like viagra jacket implies that the hard dick is like Manif manufactured, manufactured? Yeah. Yeah, yeah medically yeah. assisted Synthetic. yeah Hey, look, and if, and maybe that's a new thing he's doing because he loses so much fucking money gambling online. I can see him being like, hey, Pfizer, you want me to like fucking do something with y'all, please? Yeah. Look, nothing is cooler than being addicted to gambling and on Viagra. <laughs> and on Viagra. <laughs> and 36 and, with millions of dollars. 36 years old with a bazillion dollars. And honestly. sex with me is super fast. Like, it's just incredibly fast. Like Come a race and rescue me. Take me out the club. Okay, 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 sir. I think it's the hard dick first and then the hard feelings is what I imagine. Yeah. Like probably. hard dick, harder feelings. That's yeah. kind of that 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 kind of gets you thinking a little bit. It's yeah. like sex and then you cry. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause you're nah. lonely. Not a great proposition either. Look, I think just in general, this this doesn't feel like the most rapper thing I've seen to well, wear a jacket. What, that but that's what's cool about that's Drake, what's cool right? about it. But also here's why. Here's why. Triana and ASAP Rocky look so happy and in love. Showing up at the Metropolitan yeah. Gallivant. They're yeah. they, they had so much fun at the Metropolitan Gallivant and he just looks so happy to be with her. Yeah. You know it makes yep. and he's like so much hotter than Drake. You know it makes Drake want to want and he ain't rock him. He ain't rock right. him. I will use his legal name. You know what I mean? You ain't rock him, man. ASAP Rock him. As soon yeah. as possible. Rihanna rock looks him. so happy. She looks <laughs> at happier. The Metropolitan Gallivant. Yeah, as soon as possible, rock him with Rihanna Robin Fenty at the Metropolitan Gallivant. <laughs> Anna, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? I mean, I, I considered this for so long. You have no idea how deep I went into my own search history for this show. Yeah. Okay, But honestly, the last like 10 to 15 searches have been different iterations of Slutty Little Knees. So there you have it. <laughs> there he is. Pedro. I was, yeah. But Our mostly, king. actually, yeah. it wasn't actually even the pictures 
it was trying to find who had coined the term slutty little knees. Yeah. Going deep into Twitter, being like, what depraved mind, depraved and brilliant mind coined yes. the term slutty little knees? And how depraved did they hit? poetic soul. Yeah. I know. It's yeah. my people. We, I we, it. And I did we find came it. Under- Oh, you did? You found out you did it? Because (laughs) we were talking about this with the, uh, there was somebody who had a full body orgasm during a LA LA Philharmonic performance. And we were like, man, like whoever tweeted, okay, I just heard someone have a full body orgasm. That was the headline for everyone. It was just like the anonymous authorship of the internet. Like one person came up with that and every fucking major media outlet went with that wording uh but slutty little knees is is perfection where did Who, it come it from is yeah. Perfection. Yeah. yeah who's the author so this is a I, oh god i went through like the esquire videos the tiktok rabbit hole but i think it was this person on twitter at joel's guitar and their description is full-time slut for joel miller which i also think is a great a great profession yes yeah and that's the the origin point it's one thing about pedro pascal is that he will pop his slutty little knee out yes Wow. So this is in reference to Pedro Pascal's Metropolitan Gallivant outfit, <laughs> wherein he's wearing shorts with his with a long, red knees out. long red coat, um, slutty little knees, hiked up socks, looking good. <laughs> Wait, who's the, who said, can you repeat the quote? Joel's guitar. The, Joel's, oh. guitar. Joel's guitar. But it's referencing a, his character in Last of Us. Oh, the name Last was his us- character in Last of Us. Yeah, but it's also, it's about The Last of Us and The Mandalorian. He has this go-to pose where he pops his knee out yeah, right, and looks right. pensively into the into the distance. Yeah. Yes. Love that. Love that. Love that knee. Love to see more, you know, more like knee positive content out there on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, I just love when the internet collectively decides to thirst over someone and yeah. over something very specific. It's like, oh. We're really, we're really hot for like someone's earlobe. And then right. we're going to create obsessive content just about that. Right. That's yeah. where that's in the internet for good. And I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I liked someone commented on someone's meaty, meaty earlobes in a recent episode of Succession. And Oh, yeah. Like barnacle meat. Yeah. Like barnacle oh, meat. Yeah. That, was, <laughs> that was a brilliant little piece of poetry. Like barnacle <laughs> Oh, was that who was that? Was that Tom talking to Tom, Shiv? Yeah, that's Tom to Shiv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tom wow. is on a tear. Tom is on a Jimmy Butler like tear right now <laughs> in this season. <laughs> what is something you think is overrated? Well, yeah, I was thinking about that. I, my mind could change on this, but I, okay. I recently tried earlier this week of floating float tanks and sensory yeah. deprivation, and I, I had an interesting experience. I think, and I, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it as a as a practice that could be like relaxing or even like creative or contemplative. I was I just had this really hard time relaxing. I think into just trusting that 
the the float staff would tell me like when my hour was over and they told me like they would play loud music, you know, like when uh-huh. the, the time was done. And I just kept waiting and waiting and the music didn't play. And I finally like climbed out of like the float tank and <laughs> it was like an hour past the time and they hadn't played the music. And I think I was just also like when you're in the tank, you hear like this dull drone and I listened to like a lot of experimental music. And then I was hearing what sounded like echoes of like a female voice. And so I was just, I, I didn't even know what the music was like supposed to sound like. So I just got like really neurotic. And so it oh. may be more like, you know, I had an expectation and, you know, in that way, I, I, you know, I couldn't manage that properly. So it isn't really overrated, but I found it a little bit overrated. Yeah. Because like in your mind, half of the time that you thought spending to be sort of contemplative and like in a still space, you were just sort of had like this anxiety about like, do they know like when to play the music? And <laughs> am I hearing it? And because I, I don't want to say correct. Long. They just left you over time. In there? The, yeah, they left me over time by four <laughs> minutes. So like by the time I had, like, I was just like, this is like, this is late. Maybe they forgot or like the music's broken. So I just like climbed in the shower and then they just started playing this really loud instrument, instrumental music. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, right? Yeah. there was like this other moment where I was like in the tank and, you know, like you float around. And so there are these like buttons where you can access like the lights and the music. And, you know, so oh, I don't know anything about it. So please yeah. set the stage for me. I know, Jack, you've done it right once. I, I did it once. I'll, I'll talk about about my experience after. <laughs> so it's like okay. a giant saltwater kind of bath designed for like somebody who's the size of like an eight foot athlete. And they right. put like 94 degree warm water in this bathtub thing. And they put like 20 bags of Epsom salt in it. Yes. And basically you float in it. And then there's some buttons on the side console where you can basically like turn on like the, the blue light or like, you know, kind of like constellation style lights. And they recommend that you do it in the dark. And I was like really going hardcore. I was like, you know, they wanted, they said, you know, the best experience is if you do it in the dark. So I'm just going to go for it, even though that might make me anxious. And so I did do it in the dark. And then there was this point where I wanted to turn on the lights and I couldn't find them because I kind of like floated off like towards the back or the side. And then I got like really, really anxious and freaked out a little bit because then I'm like feeling around the panel and the sides and the seam of the thing. And it was just like me not being able to relax. And I'm sure if I went like a couple more times, it might be like a different experience. But it said to me a lot about like my need to like control and to know and like my my challenges around like surrendering. Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's it's there's definitely something unnerving about it. And if you have any claustrophobia, I wouldn't recommend it, or at least the one that I did. I I did not have like the constellation option or anything like that. Mine was just it was the closest I've ever come to time travel. Like I went in there, I closed my eyes and then the music started playing. And I was like, wait, what? what just happened and I went out and an hour had passed and I don't know what happened other than I just like had the deepest sleep and like didn't realize I was even asleep it was it was really weird it was mm. like the yeah that's a very I, positive experience that sounds wonderful. I think so but then I was like incredibly tired for like 48 hours after that so maybe it was just it reached a level of like relaxation that my right. body needed but you're saying you're listening to good for the day. (laughs) You were listening to experimental music. You said that you're kind of into experimental music or that was just part of what was playing in the float tank. No, like in, in my in my life, I listened to like a lot of drone and experimental music. And I think actually Whoa. the hum that was coming from the float tank was just kind of like the mechanism of like the machine itself. But I, I don't know. I, I hear music and a lot of things that, that just yeah. seem inherently musical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I've even like I have a newborn 
and even the white noise machine, like I hear like harmonics in the white noise mm -hmm. where I'm like, I was like telling my partner, I was like, hey, I think the garbage truck is backing up. And she's like, what? I'm like, you don't hear that beep? She's like, no, it's the white noise machine. But it's just, it's just weird how I'm yes. the same yeah. way. Like I can pick out a lot of sounds or there aren't. I don't know if that's also part of like my sort of being up, like wound up sometimes and mm -hmm. being in a state of like sort of like like threat assessment at on occasion. But yes. yeah, I can I can definitely uh, that resonated with me. Is there a particular like mechanical object or just a sound that you think makes really good music, even though it's not actually music like a mechanical object? You know, like I used to have this really cool like heating vent in one of the apartments that I lived in. And when I could clean the heating vent with like Q-tips because the dust would get like in the metal vents, it mm. would make like these really wonderful like pinging noises. And you mm. know, yeah. 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 The, there are those um, radiators in New York City apartments and they make some of the strangest like little pinging and like uh, weird noises because they're just chunks of metal that heat up and that's how you like heat your apartment in mm -hmm. new york city and like they make these weird sounds anyways wait so shinny when's the album coming out <laughs> <laughs> never with the q-tip with the q-tip do you listen to matmos i don't know who that is no matmos they're like uh these producers who like would do like for i, I got into them because they did an album that was all just surgical sounds that they used to make an album with and then yeah. like they worked with like bjork and stuff like that but they're they're kind of like in that world of like sort of hmm. audio sort of artist kind of thing. Yeah. I would love to shout out a group here in Seattle called the Seattle Phonographers Union. So they are um, this like collective of composers who go around gathering found sounds from wherever. Mm. And then they like play them back and live mix them in live performances, usually in like really weirdo places. Like uh, there's this abandoned or repurposed um, military air hangar in uh, Magnuson Park in Seattle. And I hosted them once when I was working for Atlas Obscura in this place called the Georgetown Steam Plant, which is this defunct steam plant that stopped operating like in the 1970s or 80s. So they collected all these like steam plant like noises and then they played them live and that was just oh, is that, really is that the park that's like right by the, on the water georgetown steam plant is down uh, by the duwamish river in south seattle south of downtown and it's uh, owned by seattle city lights and it's not operable but it's this historic space that people do activate with like arts and music and dance and it's super cool if you come here yeah no I'll, right. I'll, I'll i'll be sure to hit that up along mm -hmm. with my dick's driving fries. Mm -hmm. There you go. All right. You make Seattle sound very cool. It is. It, dude, Seattle, I, I can't, I, honest, I'm, I'll, I'll say this. I love Seattle. Like, I, I, I had been once when I was really young, and I went recently in uh, October, mm -hmm. and I just love, like, how rich its history is, and like, the music, it's such a music, I feel it's like, obviously people know about, like, the music that's come from Seattle, but when you're there, yeah. like, seeing live music in seattle i was so blown away i went to the sea monster mm -hmm. and i saw like a really good band there and like and i was like what's up with these like what band is this they're like oh these are some locals who like to jam and i'm like yeah. this is like the best band i've heard but they're just <laughs> doing this for fun okay yep i'm here i'm here yeah we have wonderful musicians um tomo nakayama did the music for my podcast Ten Thousand things and he's just like seattle indie rock darling that's been like touted by the new york times and um we live in an incredible city of music and musicians and people who are so deeply invested in the arts yeah 
That's we got to hit that next tour, Jack. We got to go there. Yeah. So you go, Ever since fries. we started this show, you've been talking. The Pacific Northwest calls to you, Miles. You've- I, as a just like urban concrete boy from North Hollywood, California, I fantasized about the forest as a kid. Like, mm. I think, A, it started with Endor from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Because I was like, wait, there's places where it's just trees like this. And then I remember I went to the Sequoias once. My grandfather took me to the Sequoias and I blew my mind. And then I've just, I just have... I don't know, a connection with like very wooded places and, mm. you know, cooler climates. So, yeah, yeah. Love the, love the Northwest. Yeah. What is something you think is underrated, Paige? I feel like I and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like nobody has been talking about Next in Fashion on Netflix. I really liked that show. Did oh, see, is, that like, the, is that the one Tim Gunn is on? No, this is with this is with Tan France and oh is, yeah, it's the second season came out a couple months ago, and it's with Gigi Hadid. He had a different co-host the first season, yeah. and it like got canceled at first, but then I guess they brought it back. And I just, I always liked Project Runway, of course, back in the day. Yeah. I haven't watched it in forever, but I really liked Next in Fashion. I just thought all the designers were really interesting, and it was just like really fun to watch. And I don't want to spoil it, but like. The person who won, I was like, this guy is incredible. Like, wow. <laughs> this is exactly who I thought should win. You know, I I love. Yeah, I liked. I used to watch Project Runway like in the early Bravo days a lot for sure. And then I actually did start. I watched the hype on Netflix, which is like the streetwear version oh. of it, where it's like they find all these streetwear designers and like they 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 all like have a challenge. It's like the same structure except it's streetwear. Um, so maybe I will take a dip into next in fashion. Check it out. I mean, I just, I really thought it was fun. And I, I like, I had watched all of them except for the last one. And then I was visiting a friend and he was like, well, what do you, do you want to watch something? And I was like, would you watch the last episode of next in fashion with me? (laughs) Like, I know you haven't seen it, but like, and he, and he was enthralled. And, and I think that that speaks to how fun it is. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. I really liked it. What does it have over Project Runway? I feel like that's the one that I'm um, most familiar with and that I've watched like half a season. Oh, that new one, that new version with Tim Gunn is on Amazon. That's- I guess I can't say what it has over current day Project Runway because I haven't watched it in years. But mm-hmm. I just think I, I don't know. I feel like I was interested in all of the designers from the beginning. Like I liked right. all of them. And, and I thought really the taste. Yeah. And I thought the, um, the challenges were really interesting and they do like, they do some menswear and women's wear and mm. they just have like more interesting models and different like body types and ages and stuff too. And just the challenges are kind of more interesting, I guess. Like they had one challenge where they had to make stuff out of plants like they had to make clothes okay, out. Okay, real. Yeah, yeah they just yeah. do cool stuff, and I do like Tan France and Gigi Hadid. I I think they have a fun chemistry as hosts, and I always love remembering that Gigi Hadid has like a skater dude voice. <laughs> <laughs> it oh, is it very? Like, it's very SoCal. Yeah, she's like such a beautiful woman, and then she's like, <laughs> like she just. <laughs> <laughs> Cha, bro, that shit is sick, dude. Fucking yes. leaves. <laughs> so I just like, I just, it has a good All vibe. Right. I'm in for that. I'm in yeah. for that. Is Gigi Hadid the Hadid sister with the Coca-Cola commercial during the playoffs? I mean, like, I keep bringing all these commercial questions, and that yeah, it is Gigi Hadid. Yeah. And 
I don't know. I, I'm not buying the authenticity of her friend group just hanging out and having a Coca-Cola and making homemade Oh, pasta. yes. I agree. Yeah. Nah, <laughs> now nah, I yeah. can picture it. Yeah. <laughs> they not fucking, yeah, yeah, they also, not fucking like, with that kind of Coke. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, for sure. It's like, just replace the Coca-Cola <laughs> with cocaine and you might right. have an indication. <laughs> Let me get another bump of like. Coca-Cola. <laughs> Hey, keep me up another sip of Coca-Cola. <laughs> Coca, uh, sorry, are there cameras? Coca-Cola. Yeah, plants. Uh, Coca-Cola. Yeah, I liked imagining, too, because she, she has, like, a pretty young child. And I was, like, imagining in the commercial, in the world of the commercial, she got, like, a babysitter so she could have all of her friends over <laughs> to, to drink Coca-Cola. <laughs> drink Coca-Cola and do some right. handmade pastas. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Like us normal people. All right. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about other normal people like your king, my King Charles. Chuck A. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, it's Jack O'Brien. I've got to tell you guys about something new. I've been trying this year. I've been drinking Health Aid Kombucha. I'm on the booch, you guys. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's a fermented, bubbly probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice. It's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet, a little tangy, very refreshing. Uh, comes in delish flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, Ginger Lemon is a personal fave. Uh, you guys know I'm a big soda fan. Well, what if I told you there was a fizzy drink alternative to soda that instead of uh, making you feel like you were drinking chemicals, uh, it was thirst quenching and made your tummy feel good. Since they sent me a box of Health Aid Kombucha, I've been drinking far fewer unhealthy soda pop and far more Health Aid Kombucha, and they make my tummy feel all warm and good, cold in my mouth. Warming the tum-tum is not their slogan yet. Uh, you can have it, Health Aid. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. This episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. 
When you shop online at alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at alienware.com deals. That's alienware.com deals. And we're back. And uh, yeah, so this is a story that I think is being pitted as like Disney versus Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. We all know which side we're on in that one. Am I right, folks? Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. But unfortunately, Yay! Disney is a massive corporation at a time in American history that is completely run by massive corporations. And they are using this opportunity smartly to basically try and grab more power in terms of like <laughs> how you can just how much power a corporation can possibly have. Yeah. I mean, it's right now. So we've heard that like Ron DeSantis is like, I'm going to get them so good because they humiliated (laughs) me by doing an end around with their Reedy Creek development district. So they filed a lawsuit against him and they said that they are, they have been the victims of a quote targeted campaign of government retaliation, which was orchestrated at every step by Governor Ron DeSantis as punishment for Disney's protected speech, AKA coming late to the party to vocally criticize the don't say gay legislation that was happening in Florida. They got late. They were late to that party. Let's, let's not forget that part about Disney. Mm -hmm. And so they were, they reportedly filed this suit like quote, just minutes after DeSantis is he put the new governing board of this Reedy Creek development district that they basically passed a resolution to basically put a halt to Disney's control in that area. And it's just like the whole thing is uh, it, it reads like a, a terrible breakup letter. Disney's, quote, regrets it has come to this. And they've, quote, exhausted efforts to seek a resolution. So I think mm-hmm. they're now going to have a conscious uncoupling with... <laughs> good for him, girl. Yeah, <laughs> with Ron DeSantis. But yeah. again, this is where it gets a little freaky, though. They're also trying to claim that they're standing up for small businesses and the little guys. Because, you know what, mm-hmm. they have the resources to take on the state. And this is where I believe it gets very, very, very murky. So the, the, the lawsuit does show that DeSantis is like his policy definitely was motivated by Disney's like, you know, that their First Amendment protected free speech, uh, even in his book that he's talked about this, like how he said that they they crossed the line. And, yeah. you know, he, he had a, like a special session to like terminate these special districts, which objectively are are fucking dumb to have or like a state's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wealth group of wealthy people do whatever the fuck you want and we'll just yeah, stay the fuck out of do it. Do whatever and, makes you the most money. That's, right. Yeah. They There's like a, mo- a story about like their monorail, like the, the Disney monorail doesn't have to comply to the Department of Transportation safety standards. And like <laughs> a cast member, like somebody that's what they call people who like work at the park was killed, like died <gasps> because of this. And they're just like, yeah, 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 move it along because they can because they're like their own government in in Mm. that district so it's fucking terrifying but that's not why he's being fucked up about it well and like the state could have tried to like just repeal their you know weird ass stranglehold over this area but Mm -hmm. because like desantis is in such a weird ego trip like it had to be this whole thing to like score points and like like you know keep escalating the fucking situation and now like it's got it's come to this major lawsuit but 
this is the thing that's very kind of this is the this is the thing I have my eye on. The the rhetoric in this lawsuit, like while there is a lot to like evoke their constitutional free speech and all this other shit, they're evoking this thing called the contracts clause, which was something that was very contentious at the turn of the previous century, going from the 1800s to the 1900s. In that time, like the Supreme Court repeatedly, repeatedly, quote, use the contracts clause to preserve private monopolies over things like the water supply or preventing local governments from constructing their own waterworks. It also struck down mm-hmm. a Kansas law enacted during a, a financial panic that let mortgage holders stay in their homes for several months after foreclosure. So essentially, the Supreme Court would say that if a state tried to intervene on behalf of the citizens to like nullify a, like an agreement or like a predatory contract, they would basically side with the businesses and essentially keep regulation at bay. So building their lawsuit around this specific language is opening the door possibly for like an appeal to the Supreme Court where they may want to revisit this and have another opportunity to realign our legal system with the interests of business owners and not workers. Like that's like mm. the that's the slippery slope that they're using this like language with. And that has been the Supreme Court's MO the entire like for Yeah, they haven't for the they past talked, 10 years. They haven't ta- like they haven't touched the contracts clause in a while because mm-hmm. like the sort of the flow of our culture was like, yeah, regulation's good because this was like coming out of the depression and shit like that. So now I'm like, oh, I guess I'm on DeSantis' side <laughs> because you can distill sort of his argument, and this is a very charitable distillation, down to no company should have this much power in a state where they can just flaunt like regulations or mm-hmm. these other things, which is 100% true. And we talked about already how fucked up this Reedy Creek Improvement District is. His reason for doing it is just absolutely fucked up, and it's based on his like authoritarian ego. But this, again, I just I'm bringing this up because Disney isn't the only company that's talking about the contract clause. Like many companies are trying to win cases based on this logic, but so far they have been unsuccessful. Quote, this is from Slate. Hotels cite the clause to battle severance pay for workers and rehire and the rehire of laid off employees. Delivery apps used it to, to combat caps on the amount of, quote, commission cash they can extract from restaurants. Corporations deployed it to fight data privacy laws. Police unions have seized upon it to hobble disciplinary procedures and conceal records of misconduct from the public. Wow. So when you when you put it all together, you're like, oh, this is <laughs> just like Disney's using this fucking legal reasoning that's on the side of all the evildoers. Yeah, it's just so fucked that this is the only place we get a politician pushing back on like corporate power just like unfettered Mm. corporate power like complete deregulation which is the like rule of in modern america but Mm -hmm. because the two parties are essentially in the center working with corporations like that you don't get anything like this from the left and so you just like accidentally get it coming from like fascists yeah you know right-wing shit is it possible for both sides of a lawsuit to lose? Because that would honestly be so sick. But um, right. <laughs> yeah, it would be some kind of sad settlement. I mean, the thing yeah. that like a lot of people pointed out is like we talked about how Disney, like they outsmarted DeSantis and they changed all their bylaws to like lock mm-hmm. down their like stranglehold over this area. And yeah. if they like like legal observers are like, why don't they just go back because they did everything to the letter of the law as it appears and just fight it on the merits rather than like countersuing with this like contracts clause shit. Mm-hmm. 
and because they know that this is an opportunity where they're like they have public support on their side right it doesn't look creepy all of a sudden for them to be like yeah we want to actually have authoritarian power within this small district Right. So I guess it's kind of win-win for authoritarians. Yeah, exactly. No matter how you paint it. So it's all fucking bad. Yeah. So I got a shout out to capitalists for making inclusion just another tool. Right. Toolbox, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. They fucking that mastered is, it. Like anybody who's worried about the singularity, like that capitalism is the singularity. It's already like mm-hmm. it's just constantly working. It's this hive mind that is constantly working around the clock to find mm-hmm. ways to expand its power and no matter what you give to it whether it be justice or injustice it's going to find a way to like right turn yeah. it to the already power a monopoly of, yeah it's so exactly. weird too because like the critics on the right and like uh people who have like observed the desantis camp or potential campaign and how he's setting himself up to run are like i don't know if this is the best move because they're like while republicans like obviously like a bit of culture war they also know that like they don't want to live in a world where potentially the government can dictate to them how to run their business, even if yeah, it uh-huh. is him doing that to that side. And so some people are like, uh, I mean, yeah, but is the culture war shit really worth it? And right now, like if you just look at the polls, Ron DeSantis is like not not doing well at all. And the culture uh-huh. war stuff is like polling like really low like if anything it's 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 not helping anybody but again this is Mm. sort of like the the place that they want to make their like you know policy battles over because it prevents any kind of substantive debate over anything and again we remember the republicans are just praying for a disaster right now as their as their platform going into 2024 because they don't have any policies that work they they need some new fucking financial meltdown or some new pandemic or something, this can be like, oh my God, Joe Biden did it all. Now vote for yeah. us. We, yeah. we hate rights. So, yeah. I do worry anytime it's Republicans, like, yeah, I've said this before, but they've been willing to put their foot on the scale in like shocking ways that caused lots of deaths with uh, Nixon, mm-hmm. like prolonging the Vietnam War. But like, they're also, you know, every one of the billionaires who like runs the economy is at mm-hmm. heart ultimately a republican even if they claim to be a democrat absolutely the yeah. same reason disney here is claiming to be all about you know lgbtq rights like they they ultimately the policy that they're in favor of is monopoly and you know right wing right wing yeah. economics so oh lgbtq but, you mean let's get bags tonight queens <laughs> <laughs> there we go that's our fucking that's motto funny. over here at disney yeah I can't I can't stand people who are socially liberal and fiscally fiscally uh, conservative, conservative. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. I've Power. actually I'm actually the opposite. I'm actually socially conservative and fiscally <laughs> yeah. liberal. Yeah. That's my new thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that colleges should be free and they should be segregated. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So I'm going to just hey, go all out with Hey, it. Brody, that's that's uh, you know what? They might they might take what? you up on that. Somebody's yeah. like, here's they the will. thing. Yeah, they actually like, just put together a nominating committee for you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, this shit I, I think that private companies should stop bottling public water. Yeah. And I also want a water fountain that's just for me and my friends. And Thank I you. want to figure out how to do that. And we need we need water fountains for black people who speak Japanese specifically. Yeah, thank you. You know what I mean? I'm with you on that. Just for the two of us, yeah. How's your Japanese going, by the way? Good? It's great. 
It was okay, really good. 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 I'm, I'm yeah. like, I talked to my son so much in Japanese because I got to, he got to be bilingual. Cool. You know what I mean? And I just thought of that. Anyway, one more thing, though, to talk about Ron DeSantis. Oh, just he apparently has a huge cash advantage over Donald Trump, though, despite him being 46 points behind. He has before mm. he even announcing they said he's about he's just sitting on one hundred ten million dollars yeah. to go into this campaign. Trump at the end of last year had fifty five million, although I think with his recent indictment and NFT grifts, that figure is most definitely higher. Um, yeah. But just an interesting thing to to note, even though like a lot of the reporting's like donors are fleeing and they don't know what to do. I'm like, he's got a lot hmm. of cash though. That's just like a that. measure of what the like wishes are of the uber wealthy, right? Like Mike Pence, I think is if if he had like over 1% polling would probably oh, be yeah. the yeah. Ca- You the mean Connor Roy? donor leader. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking yeah. less than 1% over He'd here. probably be the leading fundraiser because God, they love him. They're just oh, like, yeah. just an empty, he's almost like a robot that we can just control. Yeah. yeah. He sticks, he Except literally will stick to the script like Ron Burgundy. Yeah. <laughs> but one more thing about Ron DeSantis, because this is really something he, he doesn't really talk about his time as a, ju- a JAG, judge advocate general or military lawyer, as it pertains to his time at Guantanamo Bay, you know, the torture venue where America was trying to get to the bottom of, are you Al Qaeda? Yeah. So, <laughs> so he's not worried about a location being completely outside of the law there. With, with <laughs> Guantanamo, just, just when right. it's Disney. Yeah. Just when it's in his state, then he's got yeah. issues with it. Yeah. So yeah. apparently, uh, as like the timelines show, Ron DeSantis for, first pulled up to Guantanamo Bay when the prisoners were engaged in a mat, like mass hunger strikes. Yeah. Because, you know, they were being tortured. Yeah. And like, so they sent all these military lawyers down there to try and improve the conditions. However, by the end of his run, they had the most loss of life there on record. There were three prisoners that, quote, died by suicide. And I'm doing that in the SpongeBob. You can hear that weird part. (laughs) Unlikely because these people were being tortured and many other detainees were like, man, these people did not. That's not how they died. And in 2018, he even bragged about how he came up with the idea to force feed the prisoners that were on a hunger strike, which is considered torture. Okay. And more than a few detainees recognized DeSantis and one even said that the governor was present when he was force fed. And recently, Ron DeSantis was asked about this during a trip to Israel. And his answer was very calm and not shady or weird at all and not defensive. And fuck you. What are you fucking talking about? Let's listen to him (laughs) be asked a very straight up question about, hey, people say you were in Guantanamo. Uh, Care to comment on this? Just listen to how out of sorts this guy gets when being asked about his time at Guantanamo Bay. During your uh, time at Guantanamo, did you witness any incidents? No, no, not all that's BS. No, totally, totally BS. Yes. Did you say you were present during yep. Yep. Is, is that, is that Who said that? How would they know me? Okay, think about that. Do you honestly believe that's credible? So this is 20, 2006. I'm a junior officer. Do you honestly think that they would have remembered me from Adam? Of course not. They're just trying to get into the news because they know people like you will consume it because it fits your preordained narrative that you're trying to spin. Yeah, boo. We're not going to get to all that yeah. part there. <laughs> I'm saying sorry. that in front of a board that says Museum of Tolerance is really ironic. Oh, it's yeah. also ironic because Disneyland is pretty much Guantanamo Bay for parents. Am I, am I right? Hey, <laughs> am I right? Hey! Jack just got back, man. Was DeSantis there? Woo! 
<laughs> hey, they were force feeding me churros. I tell you what. Yeah, I heard that. Anyway, but the thing is, like, did you hear this man? His line, his line of logic Who here said is. That? Why would anyone remember me, the guy who offered them a solution to their horrible situation and only ended up making things far worse for them and and most possibly the most fucked up times of their lives? Why? How would they remember me at all? Again. He also like visibly begins sweating. Like, <laughs> like yeah. he like suddenly is sweaty like Jordan, by the end of his like Jordan. <laughs> he looked like Jordan Peele in that yeah. one meme. Just <laughs> yeah. Coming down his face. Yeah. He's such a narcissist. He should be uh, happy that they recognize him. He yeah. deep down, I think he is. <laughs> He's like, Little yeah, old they me, they recognize me. me. Why? Because oh. I'm so stunning. And that is <laughs> wild, though, to see like how different it is. Like when he's like not in Florida doing his like, you know, very yeah. insular type of events. And then you yeah. go abroad. And someone's like, hey, man, motherfuckers recognize you from Gitmo. And he's like, who said that? And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> no, they yeah, didn't. Did Moving that. on. And then, like, the rest of the media just, like, doesn't let him move on. Whereas in Florida, mm-hmm. everyone's, like, terrified. So they're like, yeah, fuck you, man. Why are yeah, you asking that question? Oh, my God. Have you ever been in a traumatic situation and remembered the faces of people that were there that offered you a lifeline? Really? Now, really? (laughs) That's a main character in his story? I don't think so. Yeah, his objection was just, no, they don't. Like they, yeah. he didn't <laughs> offer any. How I was a junior officer. Okay, what is that? They don't what know me the from fuck Adam. Is that supposed to mean? But do you think you're a Thanos man? Do you, you don't have a, a gauntlet of power? You can't just snap things into existence. Yeah, he had a tough trip to Israel because that was also where like somebody asked him about his polling numbers and he just like had a real meltdown. Yeah, well, you know yeah. who else had a tough trip to Israel? Moses. I don't know. Hey. <laughs> I don't think that, I don't know. <laughs> I only, I only, the only thing I know about Passover is the Rugrats specials. So, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Diana. <laughs> All right. Should we take another break and talk about drug sniffing dogs when we get back? <laughs> yeah. Does that sound good? Does that sound Wait, good? Wait, drugs, they dogs that sniff drugs? Yeah. Oh, you know. shit. That's they got that. Dogs up. at party, dude. <laughs> hey, man, is your dogs, dog party? Yeah, dude. Dogs gone to, wild. My dog's here to sniff some drugs, dude. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, it's Jack O'Brien. I've got to tell you guys about something new. I've been trying this year. I've been drinking Health Aid Kombucha. I'm on the booch, you guys. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's a fermented, bubbly probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice. It's super thirst quenching, a little sweet, a little tangy, very refreshing. 
Uh, comes in delish flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, Ginger Lemon is a personal fave. Uh, you guys know I'm a big soda fan. Well, what if I told you there was a fizzy drink alternative to soda that instead of uh, making you feel like you were drinking chemicals, uh, it was thirst quenching and made your tummy feel good. Since they sent me a box of Health Aid Kombucha, I've been drinking far fewer unhealthy soda pop and far more Health Aid Kombucha, and they make my tummy feel all warm and good. Cold in my mouth, warm in the tum-tum is not their slogan. Yet, uh, you can have it, Health Aid. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. This episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, You'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com slash deals. That's Alienware.com slash deals. And we're back. And um, the WGA strike is official. Writers are set to pick it uh, yesterday. Um, so I think they did pick it. Um, and well, they did. The, yeah, you had to sign up. Make sure you're in your slot. Yeah. The unions have said that the production companies have created a gig economy inside a union workforce. Um, when you see the details of like what is happening, what used to be paid to writers, and like what is on offer now, it's just. I guess the the most pressing issue is compensation. The number of scripted shows have skyrocketed, but writer's pay has completely stagnated. They started doing this thing, uh, the mini writer's room, where they just like have fewer people working on a show so they can pay fewer people. They like have them working for less time. Um, you as the consumer, even if you're not a member of the WGA, you're going to see this in like the lower quality of the content that's being produced. Um, but it's, yeah. And so like, when you look at the details of the negotiation, the union's like, so we want to like have at least a basement on like the number of writers and the number of time, like the amount of time that constitutes a writer's room and the corporate, you know, powers that be came back with like, how about we don't even respond to that because (laughs) fuck fuck you. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the response, and it is. Yeah, it's kind of just the the way things are shifting. It's they're just slashing and burning like the old ways of doing things, which rendered good content. But now, yeah, but now we're also putting writers under pressure to be like, okay, you have three days to do this whole thing. Yeah, this has just been like the story of our lives. Is yes, like exactly. they got rid of everything that made having a job a thing you wanted to do like so they made everybody an independent contractor even at jobs where you once would have had 
like a salaried job. Right. I've had, and they, and it happened first in journalism mm-hmm. and now it's happening in Hollywood, but basically it's just like the tech companyization of everything. It's like when tech companies come in and take everything over, what they mean by like move fast and break things is like fucking break labor laws. Yeah. yeah. Right. Breaking you know? the spirits. They're using, like in this case, they used the switch from like cable television to streaming as like the excuse to completely like rewire everything, like reword the contracts. And it's like such an arbitrary difference. It's just like what people watch it on. My logical brain, when I was like a young writer starting out, like as magazines and other ecosystems were like collapsing, and I thought foolishly, like, okay, well, it'll go to the internet. And at some point, they'll start compensating people fairly on the internet. Right. But the whole time, it's just been like, no, internet less content and less is and less. other thing that's less valuable, so we pay you less. Right. And, like, rates just haven't gone up for writers across the board in, like, 20 years, which is, like, insane. But it reflects other trends in the country of just, like, rates aren't going up, jobs don't have the things that once made it for any reason, like useful right. to have a, a steady job, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. How about less and, perks, less benefits, more work? Right. Well, it's like they, they offer it as like, you get to make choices. It's like this thing. I, I feel like it was also like marketed to us as like, you get to like, you get to have five jobs. You get to like, right. Right. Yeah. work on all know? these cool things. Right. You're not tied down to this one job for 20 years. So you get to work 70 jobs all the time forever with no promise of like any kind of contract pickup, you know? Right. Um, especially something like writing where you can fe- make people feel like they're lucky to be doing it at all for money because it's yeah. like any kind of creative pursuit. Uh, this is what my next podcast is about, uh, about the most the worker protections and, and content making and all that stuff in the most important American media industry. Yeah. Which is? Which is pornography. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that was assumed by our listeners. Yeah, they know. It's yeah. the well, it's, it's the just porn. interesting because I've been working on it and it is really about workers' rights and content merchantry and art making for money. Right. And, and the means. way in which it went from being a thing where you could have a steady job to being a thing where you are like, a mercenary yeah um and how you how even mercenaries deserve protections especially you know thank you yeah yeah eric eric prince was just talking about that recently on uh (laughs) sebastian gorka's podcast um i i I like one of the other things too right because we talk about technology and things is like the wga the writers guild they're also very concerned about ai but that stuff is crazy because that to me feels like shows you how dumb they are that they're like we we can replace you with robots yeah like because all the ai stuff it's like never up to the level that it's being advertised as it's like a friend of mine had like who has chat gpt they were showing me i was like they're like dude i got it to pitch like five movie ideas based on this candy or whatever like and it's like they're like and we put the prompt in and it's funny how it just it gives you like the most like they're serviceable ideas, but they're clearly just aggregated from other ideas elsewhere. And you're like, no, this is actually original. Like one thing right. was just like the Avengers, but like 
but they skinned <laughs> it over with like these candy things. And another one was like basically Tommy Boy, but with like candy. Maybe that's like the problem is writers are like, yeah, but like AI is going to give you like shitty content. And they're like, yeah, that's what we want. We don't <laughs> right. care if it's yeah. fucking good. We want a robot to write the Avengers. That's obviously where this has been going all along. Yeah. And Ultron wins in this one. And there's something about just like deplatforming writers as a group that is obviously fascist, you know? Yeah. yeah. The thing that's kind of spooky, right, is like in the negotiations, the WJ is like, in regards to AI, they're like, we can't have it be normalized that you can use AI to be credited with any writing. Right. And all we're asking is that you don't do that or you're doing some chat GPT script shit and then having a like a human writer punch it up at I mean, a, like a lower so rate. That's so scary. The idea of like a robot punching up scripts honestly does like frighten me to my very core <laughs> in a way yeah. that like I never I've never thought about it until now, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. And I like how like so the response of like the theater or the the studios and stuff to like the AI question is uh, we will have annual meetings to discuss advancements in technology. We're not going to yeah. say yes to anything you said. We'll have meetings. No, when about they say it, like we make I think no shows. promises, right? Yeah, the whole thing is we make no promises. The whole thing. I mean, this is like you said, Molly. This is what's happening across all capitalist systems, especially in the United States. Things are being rewired. Like everything is. It's just more and more being normalized. Where. Now they don't even have to like engage with the requests. They're just like, we'll in response to your concerns that AI will write scripts that you then get like $20 to punch up. Uh, we will have meetings to discuss that with you. It's also like the bigger the name of the corporation, the more they will tell you to go fuck yourself, you know? And so like, I know people who were working for Disney on like a show that was some of the issues that led to this, I feel like. And, and some of it is like they're having people write things on spec, essentially. It's like they don't have to green light the show until after they've written an entire season of it. Yeah. Like it truly the hoops that our people are jumping through is pretty it just wild. makes no sense. It's like if you cared at all about the efficiency, like obviously Hollywood is like not an efficiently run system one of the details that i read in like how studios fuck people over is there was a show like a successful network show that had a like bump built into the writer's contracts from like going from the first 26 episode season to the second 26 episode season and so to avoid doing that the studio just changed the length of the season in the contract to 52 episodes it just had them work on a longer season one just most bad faith no like, just like shitty the kinds stuff. the kinds of workarounds they do yeah for yeah. these things and i've been in situations where i had what felt like it should be a very like tenured media job mm -hmm. and would once have been like a tenured media job and the kind of thing you could like depend on for a few years at least. Right. And instead they gave it to like three of us and made <laughs> us all independent contractors and gave us just no guarantees that we would ever be working. It was just right. like, yeah. No prom you know, no promises of how much work this is. When there's a column, you'll know. Uh, it's gig work, but gigs that make it, it sound work, funny, it like, like you're doing a fun concert or something. Yeah, and then you can go to your Ren Fair and smoke weed, you know? Go That's to your fun, Ren right? Fair and you smoke weed. I think also it's like 
like these things are intertwined. This is also what my next podcast is about, but it's like often when the bottom falls out of an industry or the profit making is like not what it once was, that's when they let people of color and women in, you know? Right. Because they're like, oh, well, nobody fucking cares now. Like this isn't, it isn't like writing on cheers where you would buy a house, you know, a house right, in Hawaii right, right. from it. It's like, it's gig yeah. work. So it's like, as it becomes more diverse and like traditional gatekeeping is changing, it's like, it also does feel like they're, they're trying to crush that too. Yeah. But it's also like when people are like, oh, once I would have the problem with all these executives is they just want it to like be the past, you know, it's like they're not interested in dealing with what's happening now because this was these are also the same issues as the 2008 strike, which was that things were going to the Internet. People weren't being compensated fairly for work on the Internet. They weren't getting residuals. They were using it as an excuse to like pay people less. And it yeah. just never got fixed. Even in the first strike, it never really got fixed. They just did a million reality shows. That was mm-hmm. when they did a big push on reality because reality had no labor protections. No. <laughs> and like really doesn't. Reality is like the most exploitative. Yeah. And like we were saying on the trending episode the other day is like from the studio standpoint, like with the amount of downsizing and shit that they've had to do and scaling back, like a strike is actually not bad for them because they're like, well, it's less well, money we like, have to spend right now. We're going to fuck everybody. We're just going to yeah. like get rid of all these people and bring in scabs. And I truly think what's going to happen is they're going to make a bunch of, they're going to sign a million like fucking TikTok stars is what I think will happen. Right. I think they're going to be like, fuck this. We're just going to, yeah. Like, yeah. Because they don't respect writers. They don't respect writing. That's what's right. crazy about show business is the people who are in charge, like don't respect art and don't care about art. Yeah, somebody said like Quibi. It is very like Quibi vibes. It's like a bunch of people saying something that like any sane person is like, yeah, you can't do this shit without (laughs) writers. And they're like, oh, watch us. Yeah, wait till they come back and HBO Max is like, Guess what? Succession is coming back for a fifth season and it's being helmed by Charlie D'Amelio and Logan Paul. That's what I mean. It's like, I think they're like, content uh. to like strip all these brands for parts because right. that's just oh, yeah. like, yeah, I think. Yeah. And that is ultimately like, like it's TV writers are like a metaphor for everybody else where it's just like, this is a very once lucrative, prestigious job and it is not what it used to be. Yeah, it's I mean, it, it, I think that's that's the thing that's become very fortuitous for like these greedy studios is like when you're dealing with people that are like already driven by a passion for something, they're probably more likely to want to go along with whatever you're offering because for them, they're passionate about it. And like, yeah, man, they're fucking we'll do it because where else are you going to write on TV? Well, that's true, you? but it's like the same thing is probably true for like Amazon warehouses where people are so desperate. They have to say yes to anything. It's no, like for it's, sure. It's all about just like making people desperate it's just different levels of making people desperate so that they have to say yes to whatever because they truly just like are scraping by and i think also this is where democrats are really fucking failing right now i do think it's like during the pandemic they did the thing they never had done before where they just like gave us all money to be freelancers right and it like improved everybody's quality of life so much yeah. Everybody I know is like that everything was bad, but remember how great it was to not 
be fucking stressed out about paying rent every month because like the government yeah. acknowledges you might need a little help. They should offer to help people, even if it's in bad faith and they're not going to do it. The fact that they're not even <laughs> trying is yeah. so depressing. Let me get a bad faith offer, man. Come on. Yeah. The fuck? Like, that's, that's how the I feel about the, about the WGA thing. That's the crazy responses. thing about the WGA, too. Yeah. They're like, look, we really want to negotiate. with." Just like I've been in a lot of situations like this at this point where it's like, yeah, you're like, We love why? you. We love what you do. Yeah. Why would they treat me like a person? And I think that's right. the thing about capitalism, too, is it's like no matter how valuable you become in capitalism, even if you become like a super high paid showrunner or whatever, you're still a fucking commodity to them. And that means they can throw you away. Yeah, be, like, it's certainly true in this version of capitalism, this hyper capitalism. Yeah. That's just all about creating value for shareholders and does not give a fuck about the people who are actually creating the value that then gets transferred into monetary value for shareholders. Corporations are people. Yeah. And people are corporations, man. Oh, shit. I mean, I am working on my branding. Uh, my. Well, I think I, it's <laughs> like you have to. You have That's no choice but bars. to be a mercenary. And it's for better and worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we've we've all had to commodify ourselves in some way. Yeah. And that's good. It's efficient. And that's what we want to leave you with. But look, just because you don't win every time, does that make you a failure? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Molly, such a pleasure having you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, means the world to Miles. He... He needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye. spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Guys, customer service is essential to your business success. And for faster, smarter customer experience, you can turbocharge your CX results with CX1, the world's most complete customer experience platform from NICE. It's never been easier for organizations of all sizes around the globe to create extraordinary customer experiences. With the scalability and flexibility of the cloud, you can power up your business goals like never before. So don't get left behind. Find out more today at nice.com. That's nice.com.